relationship with you. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you have a Bible, let me encourage you to John chapter number one. John chapter number one. Most of you would not have heard the name Wallace Perling. Wallace is is actually just a a young boy, but there's an interesting story about Wallace. He was... He was asked to be a part of the Christmas pageant at his church. And Wallace wasn't, wasn't somebody that when they chose people to play the different parts that they expected him to be able to have a lot of speaking. So he was given one simple part, and it was to be the innkeeper. Bless you. Uh, Wallace was asked to be the innkeeper. And so his whole job was to make one statement. No, be gone when Mary and Joseph asked for a room. The night of the pageant came and Wallace had practiced his line, no, be gone, <laughs> many, many times. And so he, he believed he was ready. The scene finally came and the curtains opened where, where Mary and Joseph were coming into Bethlehem and Something unique had happened in Wallace's heart. He had focused so much on practice about his only, his only, only his one line that he, uh, he never really fully took it all in. But on the night of the Christmas pageant, he, he listened. He listened to the, the scriptures that were being shared. He listened to the story of, of the angel coming to Mary and the angel coming to Joseph and how they were scared and how they both celebrated and they were fearful and and it began to overtake him with emotion. And so when the curtains opened and the Mary and Joseph knocked at the door of the inn, he opened it up and they asked for, do you have a room? And he said, no, be gone. And he was supposed to close the door and walk away, but he didn't close the door and walk away. He actually left the door open and he watched. And he watched as Mary and Joseph very dejectedly walked away and she asked him, what? What do we do, Joseph? I'm going to have this baby, and you know it's the Christ child. And Joseph said, I don't know, Mary. I'm so sorry that I can't take care of you and provide for you, and I feel so bad. And Wallace, the innkeeper, stepped outside of his inn and said, Wait, wait, come back. You can have my room. And the laughter went through the crowd for, for for a moment. And then it settled down. And then people started to really think. And that kid was sincere. And from what I understand, people who were at that program, most of them, well, many, a few of them thought that that spot kind of ruined the, the aura of what was taking place. But most people who were at that program said it was one of the most impactful Christmas plays attended see it was it was the unexpected and when the unexpected happens it always causes us to pause and reflect on what we already know and so today we're gonna we're gonna spend our time primarily in one verse it's it's actually this verse on this green banner behind me about the word becoming flesh and to be honest, I don't have a, I don't have a sermon that's going to come and we're, we're not going to walk away with a whole lot of practicality today. It's not a sermon where you're going to walk away and say, yep, these are the five points that I need to go live out this week. It's, it's really meant to be reflective. 
It's meant to bring some unexpected to what we have already expected. In John 1.14, he says, The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. When, when John wrote this gospel... It was the last of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke had already been written and, and primarily had been written to show Jesus as a miracle-working Jewish descendant. He was the Messiah. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke took a lot of what Jesus did and they, they tried to show the world who this miracle-working Jewish descendant was but john when he picked up his pen john's purpose in writing his gospel was i want to show you that this miracle working jewish descendant was actually the son of god and so john's gospel is going to carry a lot of weight that the other gospels don't necessarily carry there's there's a lot that you find in john that you don't find in the other three gospels and john opens up his if you're in John 1, excuse me for this. If you're in John 1, he opens up his Gospels with, with three words that are very familiar to anyone who knows the Bible because he's going to open up his Gospel in the way that Genesis actually opens up. I'm going I'm to read for you. You don't, don't want to turn there, but I'm going to read for you the opening lines of the Scriptures that every Jewish, just like most Christians, would at least have a portion of this, this memorized most Jewish Children, adults would have much of the scriptures memorized and this for certain in the beginning God created and I highlighted some words because we're going to see how John uses similar language in the, beginning, the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was over the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light and God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness John is going to take and he's going to open up his gospel with the words in the beginning he's going to talk about God he's going to talk about creation he's going to talk about light and he's going to talk about darkness just like Genesis opens let me read you the opening lines of John's gospel in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, through the Word. All things were made through Him, and without Him, without the Word, was not anything made that was made. And so we see God, we see creation. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so John immediately goes with these, these same themes uh, of Scripture that, that Genesis opens up with, and, and one of the purposes he does this is because he's going to show that just as Genesis opens with God as the Creator— but was rejected by the creation. Because it's just a short time we see Adam not listening to God's word when God's word says, don't eat of the fruit, and he, he rejects it. Now we see the creator coming into the world he created, but what we're going to find is, is he's rejected again. 
See, let's keep reading and, and, and skip to verse number nine, if you would, in, in, uh, in John chapter one. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. He's the creator. He comes into his creation, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So Genesis opens up with creation and the creator rejected by one man. John opens his gospel with the creator, and he returns to the subject of creation, but he sees, well, we see that the creator is not just rejected by a man, Adam, but by many men. But not all. Because if you read verse 12, it says, but to all who did receive him, and by receiving it means they believed. Who all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of, of God. So those who believed in him were given the right to become children of God, not just children of men by flesh and, and blood, but children of God because they're born of the Spirit, and so they're going to be spiritual sons and daughters. And then John in verse number 14 explains how. And the Word. Let me just pause. This is the Word that was with God, the Word that was God, and the Word that created all things. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And so, so Genesis tells us that God created the world with his word. But then John's gospel tells us that the word entered the world he created. Now, for us, whatever. This isn't mind-blowing to us. Whether you grew up in church and heard this in Sunday school, or whether you are an unbeliever and an atheist and never went to church in your entire life, you still know that Christmas is about a baby named Jesus who was born in a manger because either you've received the Christmas cards or you've watched the TV specials or you've passed by a nativity scene somewhere. So there's nobody in our world today that would be absolutely blown away by the fact that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But, but we have to enter the first century. You see, when John writes this gospel, he's writing to people who this news was crazy. The word becoming flesh is crazy. Because you, you see, the world was, was very much a, a philosophical word. You, you know, the, the Greeks and the Romans were, were all about philosophy. And, and philosophy said that the body and the soul were separate. In fact, they believed that the, the soul was superior to the body. The body was inferior because the body would, would get diseased. The body would grow weak and tired. The body would, would one day grow old. It would decay. It would die. And after it would die, it would rot away. The body 
was actually holding the soul captive. It's, it's what Plato believed. Plato said that, that when you died, the soul was finally released from the prison of the body which entrapped it. And so for, for a philosopher to, to hear that a spiritual being would come into a body was absolutely ridiculous. It didn't make sense. But then you got to enter the Jewish mindset. The Jewish mindset that understood the, the very vast difference between man and God. It doesn't take any of us hard along to figure out man is sinful. We just look at our own thoughts and we look at our own actions. We know that man is dreadfully sinful and we know that God is holy. And the Jewish people, they looked at God as very holy, so holy we had to bring sacrifices in order to come into his presence. That's how holy he was. And so for, the, for John to write that this God would become a man? you got to be kidding me. Why would anybody even want to believe that? It'd make no sense. But you see, there's this, this understanding, John 1, 14, of the word becoming flesh. And so we take the word flesh and then we take the word glory because it says we have seen his glory and philosophy and religion did not put flesh and glory together and so the news that the word became flesh was crazy i want to show you a little bit of the jewish thinking this is from the this is from the old testament isaiah writes a voice says cry and i said what shall i cry no, notice this comparison all flesh is grass. Flesh. The word became flesh. All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. And he says again, the grass withers. The flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. So there's this comparison again that the flesh is going to wither away the word of god's going to stand forever and john is saying the word of god has become flesh no that makes no sense but not only bless you not only was it crazy it was very scary for john to to say that god was coming to dwell that the word became flesh and dwelt among us this is very scary news because there were a few times when god had come to earth before he's always been involved in 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 mankind and there was a time where god walked with adam but after adam's sin we only see a few moments in time where god comes to earth as a man he comes to abraham while abraham's in his tent he comes as a man he comes to wrestle with Jacob. Probably didn't break his Apple Watch, though, like my daughter. Uh, my daughter and I got into a little bit of a wrestling match last night, and she broke my watch. <laughs> and I just embarrassed her for saying that. So sorry about that, Trinity. Yeah, I, I'll be nice to you. Jesus, or God became flesh as the commander of the Lord's armies to Joshua. But this is a little bit different. This doesn't say God became flesh. It says he came flesh to dwell among us. He's coming to live. The word dwell would, would be similar to the word. It would be taken from the word tabernacle or 
temple, and that, that makes complete sense that, that God is going to tabernacle among us because the tabernacle was where God's glory would dwell. The tabernacle is where the glory and the presence of, of God was found. It's why, it's why the Jews had to actually, they couldn't just offer a sacrifice in their backyard. They had to go to the temple to offer sacrifices because that's where the presence and the glory of God was. The tabernacle is where God and man came together. And what John is saying, that the flesh and the glory are coming to tabernacle now. The mortal meets immortal in the tabernacle. But the thing is, to the people, the glory of God coming to dwell was scary. I'm gonna, I wanna take you back to the first time the glory of God was witnessed by people. In Exodus chapter number 19, they've been freed from the land of Egypt. The, the, the Jews have been freed from the land of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. God gathers, he wants to gather the people together to deliver the Ten Commandments and speak to the people. And this is, this is the glory of God. I'm just, I know it's a few verses, but I'm going I'm to read it. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people... And consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around saying, take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot, whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses comes to the people and said, God's going to meet with you. You have three days. You wash yourselves. He's going to tell them that they have to stay away from sexual intimacy for three days. They have got to get themselves ready because God's going to come in a thick cloud. And then here's what we read in verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. That's the glory of God. And John writes, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. The glory that Moses up on the top of Mount Sinai said, I want to behold your glory. And God says, you can't look at my glory and live. I'll put you behind this rock and I'll let the trail of my glory pass in front of you. And the trail of God's glory caused Moses' face to shine for the rest of his life. 
When Solomon built the large temple that we read about, and he offered tens of thousands of animals as a sacrifice, when the glory of God descended like a fire and consumed the sacrifices and entered its place in the, entered his place in the Holy of Holies, all the people could do was fall to their knees and onto their faces and begin worshiping. That was the glory of God. And now, the glory of God's coming to dwell. But you see, it's so interesting. The glory of God comes in the face of an innocent, harmless baby. And that's because when the word becomes flesh, Jesus comes to transform everything you see the word became flesh it was it was very crazy to some people it was very scary to other people but now it becomes transforming because here if you think with me in in the old testament for someone to approach the glory of god they had to be clean they had to be holy now the word becomes flesh and he's placed in a small little manger And the first people to approach the glory of God were unclean shepherds. But all the way up to that time, you couldn't approach the glory of God unless you were perfectly clean. It's because when Jesus comes, when the word becomes flesh, it begins to transform everything we'd seen up to this point the only way someone could come into the presence of God it was the high priest of Israel he would on the day of atonement when he would one time a year walk behind the veil where the presence and the glory of God stayed one time a year he had to take a bath three times They put bells on the bottom of his robe and they tied a a rope to his foot so that when he went behind the Holy of Holies, if he was not clean enough, he would die. And when the bells stopped jingling, they knew he wasn't moving anymore and they weren't going to go get him. They'd pull him with that rope out. That's what the glory of God was. And now the glory of God's laying in a manger and the unclean shepherds are touching it. Before this moment, the lame, the blind, the unclean, the lepers, they had to be far away. They could not even come to the temple where the presence of God was behind the curtain. They weren't even allowed into the temple. But now the glory of God goes out. And what does Jesus spend his life doing? Ministering to the lame? Come. Ministering to the lepers? Let me make you clean. Ministering to those who couldn't walk, who couldn't see, who couldn't hear. He raised the dead to life. See, Jesus is transforming things. In the book of Haggai, it says, someone who is clean, if you touch something unclean, you both become unclean. Jesus changed that. Because Jesus is clean, when he now touches an unclean leper in Mark chapter 1, they both become clean clean. 
Wait, when the clean touches the unclean, they're both supposed to be unclean. But not, no, not when the word becomes flesh. Not with his glory. Now when the clean Jesus touches the unclean leper, both become clean. You see, the, the creator, the word, the creator entered his creation because he was on a mission to restore it. To redeem it. Up to this time, if you sinned in Israel, you were, you were judged. You were condemned and you were sentenced sometimes to death. But, but when, when the presence and the glory of God in the person of Jesus stands and a woman brought in adultery, found in adultery, is thrown at his feet, he doesn't judge her, he loves her. He doesn't condemn her, he forgives her. He doesn't sentence her to death. He sets her free. He, he changes everything because the word didn't become flesh in order to condemn the world that had rejected him. The word became flesh to offer salvation to a world who was condemned because it had rejected him. But he didn't come to bring that, that judgment. He came to bring salvation. I know you've heard this, and I don't know who the originator is, but the Son of God became a man so that men could become sons of God. That's, that's such good news. Especially when, when the Son of God, who the Word became flesh, when he goes to the, the purpose of him coming, his whole purpose was to get here. Because he's got to transform us. See, we're sinners. He's sinless. But as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 reads, and I love this, for our sake, he, meaning God, made him, meaning Jesus, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He's coming to transform as Jesus was hung on this cross. He came and he looked at the Father. Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you separated yourself from me? Uh, I have to. Because you've become sin. But why did Jesus become sin? So that we could become sinless. When he looked and said, why have you forsaken me? He was using the words that we should be using. God, why have you forsaken me? And he rightfully could say, because of your sin, that's why I have forsaken you. He rightfully could say that. But because of Jesus transforming things, the word becoming flesh, he takes our sin upon himself and hands us perfect righteousness. Why? Because he wants to restore what was. And what was? It was God and man walking together in the garden. And what separated man and God? Sin. So Jesus came to take that sin out so that God and man could be restored. I told you last week about the man that I had asked recently, if, if God were to meet you outside the gates of heaven and, and say, why should I into my kingdom what would you say and you know his answer was was what so many other people say they talk about their good works and, and i'm so thankful that people try to live good lives and he talked about his generosity and I, I love the fact that he's a generous person but i when i asked him the question hey well if we can be good enough to get to heaven on our own why did jesus 
have to die on a cross? And that's where he said, I, I don't know. I'd love to ask you, church. If you and I could be good enough to get to heaven on our own, why did the word become flesh? You see, the word became flesh so that he could take our place as a man in the place we deserved separation from God for our sin. So it's, it's incredible news. It's crazy to some. It's scary to others. It's transforming to all of us. But to those who are believers, it's incredibly good news. See, Jesus was God in the flesh. He was fully man and fully God. He was both divine and he was human. But here's something we miss. We know that about Jesus, but we, we miss the fact that one of the reasons Jesus came, the one of the reasons God became man is so that he could offer God to man. You see, the Son, the son of God came to live as a man so the Spirit of God could live inside of man. Without the Word becoming flesh, we don't get the Spirit. Without the Spirit, we don't have God inside of us. Without God inside of us, we don't have eternal life because He is eternal life. And so the Son of God became a, a man so that the Spirit of God could come to live within a man, to dwell within me. And you know what that means then? Ha, it doesn't mean I'm a little God. I'm, I'm not, like, not like Jesus, like a, a little God. But it means, as Second Peter chapter 1 says, I now become a partaker of the divine nature. I'm not something special except the fact that God's Spirit dwells in me. That makes me something special. That's why he came. Because without the word becoming flesh and going to that cross on behalf of the sins of the world, the Spirit of God did not come to dwell within man. And the beautiful thing is, when he became flesh and dwelt among us, it was so that God's glory could now tabernacle inside of us. If you're a believer, the incredible good news about the word becoming flesh, glory of God, this, this glory that walked with Adam in the garden and then was kept behind a veil and then walked in the person of Jesus, that glory lives inside of you. Man, what a Christmas gift. We're never going to be fully divine. I don't mean that. But we have the same Holy Spirit power inside of us that raised Jesus from the dead. Ephesians 1 tells us that. Because we have that, that means tomorrow you can wake up and regardless of the circumstances of your life, you can have joy. Because that's how Jesus lived and that's the power inside of you.
It means that, that you can, regardless of the suffering that comes into your life, you have the power to endure. Regardless of who has hurt you, you have the power to forgive. Regardless of who your enemy is, you have the power to love. Regardless of any of the needs that you have, you can still generously give to others knowing your Father is going to take care of your needs. Jesus said, I don't even have, the Son of Man has nowhere to even lay his head. Come on, the Son of God has nowhere to lay his head? Because he entrusted everything to his Father. And you have the same power inside of you. The incredibly good news of the gospel is that the word became flesh. And the word became flesh to give his life. And the word became flesh to give us life. And the word became flesh to give us God. So then I guess there's really just this question. Then what do we give in return? Well, what did Jesus give? Because that's how we're supposed to live. He gives everything. He give, we give him our lives. We give him our worship. We give him everything. We believe. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. We trust him. We obey him. And, and when he gives us opportunities to do good, we do good, believing he brought us to that moment. I'll close with this. When I was in Indiana, someone told this story, and I don't know if it's a, something that happened to them or something that they shared. This lady pulled up to a gas station. When she pulled up to a gas station, she noticed the car at the other pump by her, and the, the lady was standing there, and she was crying. And this believer, she saw this lady crying, and so the spirit said, go, go to her. And so she walked over there, and she said, ma'am, may I, may I simply ask you, can I pray for you? She couldn't stop crying, so the, the lady just laid her hands on her and began praying with her. And by the end of the prayer, the lady had stopped sobbing, and she said, is there something I can do for you? And she, she basically eked out that her husband had just left her and the children and basically left them with nothing. And she had everything that they owned packed in, in their car, and they were heading to, to her mother's because they didn't know what else to do. And she said, but we're here and I'm out of money. And so the, the lady said, well, I, I'll take care of that. So she, she filled her gas tank up and then she went inside and they had one of those restaurants inside of the gas station. So she bought food for the lady and for all of her kids and bought some gift cards and said, there's enough here for you to have enough gas to get to your mother's. And oh, the lady just was overwhelmed and was sobbing and hugged her and she turned to get back into the car and the lady just stuck her head into the window and, and she basically said, kids, I just want to let you know I love you and I'm, I'm praying for you. Merry Christmas. And the small little child in the back seat looked at her with big eyes and said, were you the angel that mommy was praying for?
And that lady turned and walked around and went back to her car. She just replayed that statement over and over. Were you the angel mommy was praying for? And she thought how I, I almost didn't go. What if I would have stopped at another gas station? What if I would have waited a few more minutes? So many things went through her mind until she just came to the point where she realized that was just God setting this up. And I'm not special, but I got to be Jesus to this family. The church. We got to understand why the word became flesh. The word didn't become flesh just so that one day when we die, we can live in heaven. It's not why he came. He didn't become, he didn't, the word did not become flesh just so that our, our sins would be forgiven and we could go live our lives however we want. That's not why the word became flesh. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. Guess what? The word of God, the son of God, doesn't dwell bodily here anymore, but sons and daughters of God do. And the glory of God is not here anymore in the person of Jesus in bodily flesh, but you as sons and daughters who now possess, who now tabernacle the glory of God inside of you, you do dwell amongst people. And here's, I want you to understand, we can show the glory of God full of grace and truth to people around us. And you will have chances this week to do that. Or we can make the word becoming flesh just about us and our eternity. It's not. It's about so much more than that. It's about today. Let the glory of God be seen today through your loving actions to those around you who, can, who may not know why the word became flesh and let's be a testimony for the person of Jesus would you pray with me <sighs> father I mean I, I so many so many things that my heart wants to to say and I know that my, my mouth is, is feeble my mind is, is is inadequate to be able to share the in, the amazing truth of John 1 14 Lord, wow. I mean, the fact that, that you came and your glory dwelt in, the, in a small child that we celebrate this birth next Sunday. And, and that child grew in wisdom and stature. And that child lived out a life where the, the glory of God was, was seen. And people who were outside the family were invited into the family those who believe could become sons and daughters of God. Father, man, my, my heart just gets, it's, just, it's overwhelmed. 
And I know that for some of us, the, the fact that the word became flesh, it's just something that we've heard so many times that it, it doesn't shock us anymore. But Lord, I, I pray that your spirit would, would grab a hold of us and in fresh ways and in new ways that we would understand you are dwelling in us so that people could see your glory through us. Give us chances. Give us opportunities. And Lord, we'll fail sometimes. We won't always do what we need to do. We won't always accomplish your will. But Lord, give us another chance. May we step out and continue to follow you as best we can in faith. To love those who need to be loved by you. Because that's what you did for us. And may our lives... May our lives be categorized by well, that, that, that person's different because of their kindness and their love and their words. And Lord, I, I pray that there'd even be people this week who could be introduced to the good news of the gospel because of the good works of people in this room because of who Jesus is living inside of us. Awaken us to your goodness. Awaken us to your glory. And church, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I realize there might be somebody in here. You don't know Jesus as, as your Lord. You don't know Jesus as the one who came to this earth as the deliverer of his Father for the world and their sin. And you don't have to do anything. You have to believe. You have to believe in who Jesus is. You have to believe in what Jesus did. And you too can have the Spirit of God inside of you. Understanding your sin has separated you from the Father. But that Jesus came to remove that sin to bring you to the Father. And that it's not about what you do, but about what Jesus has done to give you that relationship. That brings salvation. And I know there's many of you in here and that, that's something that you've taken place that has taken place in your life in years gone by. But sometimes we turn that focus so much on ourselves that salvation is about what we get. We do get so much. But it's also about what we give in the name of our Lord. That we live this sacrificed, sacrificing crucified life that Jesus lived for others. May I encourage you with your heads bowed and eyes closed, just, just ask the Lord very clearly, God, who is it today that needs me to step into their life to show your glory to them? Lord, give me chances this week to speak, to act on your behalf in the lives of people because the word became flesh so that flesh could have the spirit dwell in them. Lord, we want that spirit alive in our lives. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you for what you have done. And Lord, as we close with celebrating this, this the remembrance of, of why you came and we just simply 
raise our hands and raise our hearts in worship and say, praise the name of the Lord our God that we think of how you came so that we could do this. You came so that we could celebrate. You came so we could gather and worship, but also so we could live it out outside of these four walls and not just gather as the church, but go out and live and be the church. Lord, may we be pleasing to you as you've given so much for us. In your name we pray, amen. Would you stand with us?